everybody we are back welcome to another episode of more than the title i'm your host jared thomas chief revenue officer at outside the box digital i'm also joined by my co-host chadio aka pastel chatty aka your favorite ceo's favorite ceo what's if going it, on bro if it ain't bright it ain't right <laughs> you know the motto baby you know the motto baby black is so boring <laughs> Man, my guy, man. I just want to say, before we, before we go into the yeah. other intro stuff, bro, I just want to yeah. say, man, this is our first season together, man. You know I love you for free, bro. It's an honor to be on the show with you, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Straight up, man. It's, yeah. been a, it's been a hell of a ride. And next season, we got a lot planned for y'all. And before we begin, let's give a quick shout out to our exclusive partners at their live podcast network. Please make sure you go download the app to enjoy content like this and many others. Uh, yeah. It's an amazing app, so please shout out to Angel and the entire team. Also, shout out to the returning listeners and subscribers. Like, we, we're on season three. We're growing and glowing because of you guys, and we appreciate every every bit of support and, and the love, man. And for the first-time listeners, what's up, y'all? You know what I'm saying? This is more than the title. This is all about having authentic conversations with some of the best and brightest in the business to understand who they are and how they got there. And with that said, let's introduce our special guest today because I've been excited about this one. You've been, talk, you've been talking about it. You've been talking about yeah, it. Yeah, nah. This, you've been this talking one, about this it. This is one of them ones. This is one of them ones, child. We say it every, but it's one of them ones, all right? But simply put, he's, he's, the, yeah. he's the founder and CEO of NVE Experience. After graduating college, he founded Night Vision Entertainment as a nightclub promoter in Hollywood and promoted various parties while building NVE. In 2013, he decided to leave the club business and focus the entire agency on an experiential and event production, changing the name from Night Vision Entertainment to NVE Experience Agency. Brett has the real life Project X story, starting off from epic promo uh, promotions of parties to creating a successful business, working with some of the biggest brands in the game, and creating experiences and events as such as Coachella. So let's introduce our yeah. special guest, CEO yeah. NBE Experience. Yeah. Brett Hyde. Load him up, go. baby. Let's let me go. get some horns. Let me get some horns for Brett. Let me get some horns for Brett. There we go. You yeah. You got to get the horns. I've ever gotten. You got to get the horns. You got to get the horns. Got to get the horns. Yeah. Man, what you what you've been able to accomplish, bro? Let, let's just start from the top, and I want to get I want to set the table for everybody, right? Okay. So we met Brett, right? Actually, from a friend of ours, and shout out to Lola. Love you, Lola. So you end up watching the show we had with Lola, which was our first Drink Champs episode. We were sitting there drinking wine, talking shit, having a good time, and then we end up reaching out, and we end up building a relationship. And now to get you on the show, brother, I just want to say thank you, and it's an honor to have you on. Thank man. you, guys. Thank you for yeah. having me. I, I I've been watching the show. You are awesome. You. It's such a different take on just bringing entertainment to the podcast and exploring people's actual journeys and in all the different things that they do. I love it. It's, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. My man. All right. You, I, I got a question for you, Brett. You ready to part? Yeah. Oh, you ready to part? Yeah, he's ready to oh, part. He's ready, he ready to part. He's ready to part. <laughs> I'm here. Let's get it, man. So let's, let's yeah. start from the top, Brett. Yeah. Let's start us from after high school, man. You started yeah. party promotions. What made you go into party promotions? What, what got you started? Uh, the magnetic force of, of parties. I think, I, I don't even know where it started. I, I, it actually probably began in high school. I, I remember I, I threw my after prom party. After prom, I, I organized a, I, I took over a hotel in Hollywood because I grew up here in LA. Mm -hmm. And I did a foam party, like an Ibiza foam. I found a guy who owned a foam machine who, who would just drive around with it in his truck. I found him on Craigslist because we didn't even really have much inner, like this was the beginning of the AOL days. And I just had him show up at this hotel and our entire high school went to prom in a, in a, in a foam pit. Um, and then when I got to college where I went to Tulane University in New Orleans, um, shout out New Orleans, very, 
important place to me uh, where I, I learned a lot about myself and my love for entertainment and music and, and food as well, if you know New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, going when I got to Tulane, the first thing I wanted to do was, you know, have a side hustle. And my side hustle, I was going to class and I was throwing parties at all these different bars. I ended up getting a little job at House of Blues and I would do Saturday night groove at House of Blues where I, it was basically a college night. No one had co college nights in New Orleans. They just had mm. big nights. So I wanted to bring the college kids together. And throughout my four years of Tulane, uh, I, I was just planning events, throwing parties, coming up with themes, creating new ideas. And, you know, when, when I got home, my parents were like, okay, but you're gonna be a lawyer still because that's what <laughs> Jewish boys do. They, they uh, said fun time is over. <laughs> yeah, they were like, we just, you had a nice education, you have a college degree, you're gonna, you're going to law school or, you know, doc, you're welcome to be a doctor or a lawyer. Uh, but that's, that's about it. Those are, those are the opportunities. And I was like, so I got back to LA and I, I talked to the, I met this club owner and he was like, you know, I saw you were doing those college nights. Why don't you do like a young night at one of our clubs in Hollywood? There was a club called mood. Uh, it was, it was just like the hot thing of the time. There have been 400 hot clubs since then, but mood was the hot one in 2006. And I was like, sure. And he gave me Friday nights and I would go to USC, UCLA, all the, all the campuses and bring college kids and young Hollywood. And it just uh, take, I was like, I told my parents, I was like, I'll do, I'm going to do this for a year and then I'll do law school. <laughs> one year. Right. And of course, one year turned into seven years where I, I, oh you know, built out this, this nightlife business, um, in Hollywood and, and, and it became, you know, I took it like a real business. Unlike most of the people at the time who had been promoters, it, it, it was definitely, they were there to party. I was there to make money and, and actually build a business out of it. And, and it grew really fast. Like there was a lot of structure missing from Hollywood nightlife. Mm -hmm. And I, I worked at, you know, about 40 or 50 clubs over my seven years doing, you know, I did, there was, there was a time when I was doing two nights a week, three nights there, I got up to five nights a week, different club every night, wow. um, you know, and sometimes two clubs on the same night for a little bit. And I worked at all the icons, you know, there, if, if you followed Hollywood, Ledoux was really hot for a while. We had, that's when the Hills was really big, yeah. Supper Club, Colony. Uh, there was a club called Goa that was really amazing that we did for a while. A club called Apple, LAX, um, and 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 a million more area privilege, and it just goes on. Uh, Crazy. That we went yeah. through a lot. I can't believe I remember them all. But that, yeah. that yeah. you know, you know what you, yeah. you every time it makes me think because we've got a lot of promoter friends, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, what are, what are some of the biggest struggles that you faced when you was doing that? Because if somebody that was on our show earlier this year, David Shan, shout out to Shans. He said you want to test your influence, you create in-person events, right? And so I'm curious, what makes a great promoter? What are some of the things that you overcame while you were starting that business? You know, there, there were, there, it was interesting time. Like they, there was a, a, a nerdy Jewish guy showing up to like be the cool person. I mean, all the promoters were cool, but I wanted to, I, I wanted to help them make money. I, mm. I was like, Do you, does anyone here know how to send an invoice and get paid? You know, and I would mm. help. So I became friends with all the other promoters and I became like their their business manager. A lot of the promoters would have me like come in and just negotiate the deal with the club owners. 
set up all the arrangements. And then I would have the cool kids do, you know, bring the cool people. Um, mm. And, so, you know, I met, it, it was the networking super highway. Um, you know, like it, it's just how I then transformed uh, night vision entertainment into NVE and, uh, and exclusively working with right. brands uh, was, you know, you started, I started to meet heads of studios and, you know, mm. other really influential people who had, you know, big brand marketing dollars and were interested in taking that, that combination of hospitality and understanding of like guest experience and applying it to making more meaningful, more impactful events, which is what we do now. And, and we can get into that, but you know, during being a promoter, it, 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 it's a tough game. It's, it's, yeah. it's a, uh, it, it, it is the real hustle and dog uh, because dog type environment, is it not? Like, it's very competitive. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, yeah, because you know what the problem, it was always fun when the club first opened, mm -hmm. your job was done for you when right. the club opens, everyone calls you but because it's, it's the newest hotspot it's the newest yeah, hotspot yeah mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. the, they do their pr yeah. the owner mm -hmm. does their thing the issue is is six months into it a club opens across the street and then six months after that a third club opens down the street right. there's, there's a club you know back then there was more it actually has slowed down quite a bit but it there there's there was a club every six months even even sometimes sooner so how do you keep it fresh how do you keep people coming and for me it was just taking care of people like mm. my if you ever knew me i was not the like jerk at the door that that tried to keep a line outside just right. because i wanted it to look busy inside yeah. i knew that like eventually i would need those people so right. i took care of them and that 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 worked out and that worked in la pretty well message yeah, that's a message. You know. <laughs> a message. So that, that, that was my methodology, yeah. and, uh, and 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 it built me a really great yeah. business. You know, there yeah. was lots of guys to be the dick. There was lots of guys <laughs> to do that, and I was, yeah. and I admire them. They some of them were very successful yeah. doing that as well. I got I got a question for you though. Before we get too far um, into everything, because you you brought up something about your family, so I'm just curious, right? Um, so your parents wanted you to be a lawyer. Um, is your family like really big in law? Cause I know a lot of families, like all of them are nurses, right? So it's like when you're born, you're gonna be a nurse. You know what I mean? Like your father's a nurse, your uncle's a nurse, your grandfather's a nurse. So is your family like a big, is there big, like a lot of lawyers in your family? Is that the family business? Like lawyers or, no, or doctors? That, no, we're okay. just Jewish, you know? Okay. And, okay. and we just have the way of knowing things. Okay, and no. Honestly, uh, yeah. my, my, uh, my dad, but both retired, my dad, uh, was a CPA, was an accountant. Okay, accountant. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. And then my mom was an entrepreneur, and oh, she okay. had uh, she had her own back in the day. Uh, in in you know when we used to watch VHS tapes. Yeah. My mom yeah. was one of the big duplicators. Like you, if you, if Disney would make a movie, but they would mm -hmm. sell you know Little Mermaid in the stores, they need ten thousand copies of Little Mermaid. She owned the company that made the copies. Wow. Like the original. Wow. It was like a random thing. Who knows wow. even what that is? Right. Oh, video duplication services. So wow. random. Right. Um, mm. And she was a big inspiration growing up because I I got so excited about. I learned, I saw, you know, it was a small business. She probably had like, you know, 14, 15 people. Um, and she was a badass mom and a CEO. Um, yeah. and, and it out. wasn't tiny. It was, she was successful and yeah. it was cool and it was her own thing. Um, Sorry. That, mom, that mom, was, deserve, like, mom deserves that. Yeah. <laughs> mom and dad. Yeah, man. So, yeah. so that, that was like, you know, when I, 
I think that maybe I, I, I some of like my DNA is right. So I was going to that. That's I, right. That's so that's why I was leading into it, right? Because when you said like you know your family, obviously lawyers and doctors, these are high prestigious jobs that take a lot of education and stuff, right? But your mother was an entrepreneur early, right? So now my question is like, so when you said okay, I'm going to do the party promotion thing, and she realized that this is now going to be a business, did she piggyback you and say okay, let me sit you down and let's do this thing the right way? Did you know? Did she sit you? down and say okay let me teach you some things that you might need to know because that's a great support system when your mother or your father Absolutely. is the entrepreneur so technically it was already in your dna you didn't even realize it it came natural yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah. i mean it, it was interesting i needed uh my mom has incredibly high eq oh. she's life of the party life <laughs> of the party my dad's a board show guy uh, it, it, it's very interesting. They're they're an they're an odd match, but a perfect match at the same time. And you just right. you just get it. But my mom gave me the EQ that I could thrive in these social environments, and I basically mm. have built a social business, like the entirety of all the dimensions of night vision and now NVE and everything in between have the you know understanding social dynamics and engineering them to 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 create connection and that that serendipitous moment right yeah but my dad was the one who i needed because i was like how am i gonna fund like what do i do what do i do with money you know and mm -hmm. and uh so he was just like a really good resource of like you're gonna have to pay taxes so and just gave me that foundation that i needed as i started the business nice. and he he was really influential then um and you know i worked i, I worked it out and and here we are <laughs> that's dope that's yeah. good. You know, as, as you're saying that too, Brett, what I'm thinking yeah. about is, was there a moment where you almost gave up during that? What was the toughest moment when you were party promoting? Were you down to like your last five bucks? A party didn't go the way you expected. You lost some revenue on it. Like, what was that moment you was like, oh, man, I just want to give this shit up. But you kept going. What was that? Oh, God. So many moments. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, I just got, I, I knew, I mean, you just kind of had to know me back then. But I knew that, that. It wasn't my forever job. I knew it was mm -hmm. a stepping stone to, you know, a bigger and wider thing. I had studied entrepreneurship. I, I was getting really interested in owning a business. And I was really just, I think what kept me going wasn't the club scene. Unlike, again, a lot of people who got, got into that industry. But instead, it, it, it was like I was building an enterprise. I started to have a couple of employees full time. I, I was I, also, I worked with all these other people. I would go to meetings. I loved we'd have promoter meetings like and I was just like, OK, that, you know, there's a business here. But there were just days when I mean, still to this day, probably the hardest thing is when somebody, you know, doesn't treat you right. And yeah, we've yeah. had in, in that instance, yeah. you might have had guests who didn't treat you right or club owners who didn't treat you right. Yeah. And now, you know, you could have vendors or clients in, right. in my corporate business who don't treat you right. Like it just happens. And, you know, have to, I had to learn really quickly not to let things get personal in this type of industry because it mm. very quickly can feel personal. So, mm. you know, uh, and th there were a lot of interesting moments in, in NVE's history when we when I got out of nightlife where it got really challenging. It just was hard to compete in, in, yeah. in a bigger, in the marketing industry. And then COVID's its own story. We can get there. But that, yeah. that was the existential yeah. threat yeah. <laughs> of all life. You know, no in-person events for yeah. a year is 
pretty much the most terrible thing you can do to an event company. So I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, listen, you sound like a really smart guy. And I know a lot of people that, you know, thrive through COVID and created these online events. Right. Technically, um, what's that thing? Um, versus versus the, you know, the battle of the rappers and the singers that that yep. came from COVID. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? A lot of a lot of these online events were created from the fact that we couldn't be in person, but still people wanted to be entertained, right? Um, you always had the, you know, the, the Sunday church, right? People go to church on the internet and stuff like that. So people mm. always want to attend some type of an event and sometimes they can't be there in person. So you never thought about taking that route and maybe, you know, going online and developing an online footprint for your business? Yes, uh, oh, okay. we did, yeah. Okay. Uh, the, you know, uh, the response to COVID um, was you, you had everyone use this word pivot. They were like, we're going to pivot. Yep. We're going to pivot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pivot to me felt very temporary. It okay. felt like, oh, this yeah. is a temporary thing. Uh, we're going to respond. So I didn't embrace that at NVE. Instead, I thought like, I think the world's forever changed. And therefore we need to reinvent. And I went down this route of what is the difference between re pivoting the business and reinventing the business. Yeah. And I felt that a lot of the online stuff that started showing up, a lot of it was a pivot. It was kind of temporary. It would not have everlasting strength. Like it wasn't, I mean, like I, last year, I remember there were still people doing like these zoom events and they, no one was showing up. And I knew that that would happen, that eventually it would fall off. There, there, now that doesn't mean there wouldn't be a digital layer to experiences. It, I, I do think that there are many different incredible digital extensions that we yeah. can layer in to concerts, festivals, music moments, to, to, to everything. And there's cool content like Versus yeah. phenomenal content. Actually, NVE did work on a few of them. We got to, <laughs> we helped with some of the sponsors that activated at them. Um, so long story short, uh, you know, we, we did look at what we did and NVE is forever changed because of that. We, 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 we asked ourselves, what does our talent, what else can we do with our talent? We, we are great event planners. We understand guest experience. We have creative ideas. We have artists and, and rendering people and graphic designers. Is there, are there other things we can put out? And we, we did, we changed the company from an event services company to a brand experience agency. And we said, mm. maybe experiences can be digital. They can be interactive. They can be social. And we now offer a lot of that more, that service uh, to everybody. And, and that is forever lasting as part of NBA. That's insane, but it, it, I know it had to be scary for you as an owner because you're like, shit, well, first of all, everybody was pivoting and not everybody can do it, but in your line of business where you're creating experiences, there's so many variables to the online experience that you can't control versus you being in person. So like, what were the, some of the things that, like, that, that you, what were the, some of the learnings that came from that, right? Because it's very hard to sell an experience to a brand, especially in COVID and dollars are tight. Oh my God, yeah. I mean, it, it, we had to educate all of, and our clients are like the fortune, you know, 50, like, you yeah. know, educating them what they can, you know, we said, look, in the end, the difference between an event and what we started to do during COVID is events we bring, we ask the consumer to come to us, right? Come here, meet me here, meet me at Comic-Con, meet me at Coachella, meet me at our Basel or South by Southwest or CES. 
And instead we have to figure out a way to, to meet them where they are now. And that, how can we deliver an experience? So some of the creative ideas that we came up with were like individual experiences. Like we, we came up with um, like Johnny Walker. We, we do a ton of work with, with Diageo and we came up with the idea of doing a Johnny Walker blue candle that you could have at home. And it was just a creative way to have the Johnny Walker experience at home during COVID. And you, in, you then bring influencers in, you have them amplify, and you can see very quickly how something like as simple as a candle can be crafted as like a bigger experience that people around the world can ultimately create. And you can create content from that. You tell a story of the, you, we brought in like DS and Durga, who's a very well-known East Coast-based candle and perfumery and have them create a piece of digital content telling the story of crafting the candle. And suddenly you have an entire campaign off of just making a Johnny Walker candle, right? Or making, you know, something simple uh, and meaningful and impactful. So we started to learn how to deliver experiences in other forums that aren't just asking people to show up at an event. Still love the events and still huge part of what we do, but we think about it through a new lens now for sure. Mm. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. So let's let's. I, I'm just curious about this candle now. So, Johnny Walker, we're talking the the drink, right? It's a whiskey, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Whiskey, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, so now the candle does it because I know Johnny Walker comes in like green label, black label, right? Red label. There's a lot of different flavors. So so this candle now it has the aroma of of one of these um like the scent of one of these drinks or like, do I light it and will I get drunk if That's I like, saying, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, right, right, You know, I, I need to know what's the secret to this candle. Like what, you know, what was, what was so special about the candle? Cause okay, creating something is one thing, getting somebody to receive the product and then believe in the product and say, and then promote the product and say, no, this is really good. It's something else. So what was it about the candle that you guys put in there to make the actual experience? So, yeah, I mean, the, the purpose of the campaign, uh, you know, was obviously to create something that could be special at home. And what we, when we worked with Diaz and Durga, they are the specialists. So we had them curate the story. And what we did was we, we took the story of where Johnny Walker is made. And so I, I remember they, they, they sent us the notes, you know, it's like a fine wine, a candle notes, the smells, and it was barley, uh, fine oak casks, uh, royal oak, uh, North Sea air, reindeer, all, all of the conditions of where you would make the product itself. So you can kind of take people to a distillery. You can take people to these different places and suddenly have like a really magical uh, you know, tell a wider story of where did it come from? What did it do? Why did we do it? Et cetera. Um, and then you create a piece of content out of that, that has that candle maker tell that story. So, mm. you know, that th there were brands, you know, trying to kind of tell those stories and some things work. The, the, the influencer kit became a really big thing for a while. Every influencer is receiving a different thing every week from every brand in the world. But we just wanted to make sure that we, we had something a little more meaningful. And, uh, and that was, and that was the kind of stuff that we were doing. Um, we, we worked with a, we took that idea, uh, to back to Diaz and Durga and did a perfume for a, a television show, um, called the alienist. And, you know, we did that kind of experience. We also, uh, started doing a lot of digital creation and we had a, uh, we, we, we made like a fun 
there there was a Netflix movie called Who Be Halloween with Adam Sandler, and we made a fun digital experience for people to come in and walk down the street and get cool Adam Sandler merch. So there's a lot of experiences that 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 you can do um, that aren't just inviting people to an event. Um, mm. But you know, then events came back with a vengeance, and we have been just absolutely slammed with creating events. My focus now is showing brands all the opportunities to make an event more than a moment in time and instead extend that experience digitally, interactively, uh, you know, through creators, through PR, through brand partnerships, where it feels like a, like a more deeper and meaningful connection between the brand and the customer rather than like a great party, which we're happy to do a great party, but there's yeah. so much more that we can get to. So that's, that is kind of one of the areas we're fixated on. So as you say that, you know what I'm thinking too, Brett, what, how do you see the involvement of AI, AI, VR, and all that going into like, what are you excited about in that space? And how do you think you could apply that moving forward to events? Um, yeah. So AI, AI is a ways away from, from getting involved in the event business. I mean, of course we are asking ChatGPT all sorts of questions. Yeah. Um, but there is the, the, the beginning of an event is, is the storytelling. Like, why are you coming here? Why, why are you joining us, uh, at this experience? ChatGPT just doesn't get that yet. None of the AI gets that yet. AR though, augmented reality. This is this is the opportunity because you can create new dimension at any event by taking your phone, holding it up, and looking at the same experience through a different lens. Yep. And, and for, we can for those augment. listening, sorry to cut you off. For those listening, think of Pokemon Go. For other listeners who may not know what AR, I didn't want to say it, but that sounds like Pokemon. You you yeah. lift up your phone and. There's a there's a, a, a Pikachu in front of you or something. You, that, you got, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the early iteration. That's the early iteration, right. So my, yeah. I didn't want to cut you off, bro. Sorry about No, that. exactly right. Yeah, you get it. So, yeah. you know, we can create a lot of new dimension at any event and experience and, uh, and, and add so much fun. Fun, uh, you can gamify it. You can make it like a Pokemon Go game. You can just connect people. You can, you can tell people... You know, you can make up, you can overlay a map, oh, you know, and say like, hey, you can put arrows like over here is the bathroom, over here is the food. Um, mm. You can add a lot of dimension. So we're experimenting with a lot of AR. It's expensive. Uh, music festivals will probably get there first. They're trying, Coachella's tried. A few have tried to have like fun little kitschy things, but very soon there'll just be a whole nother layer to the event. That's the digital layer. And at NVE, mm. we, we even... Uh, we partner with another company that I also own called Cognition, which build, builds all that technology. They are an interactive studio that specializes in building that. And we just, and that was formed also Cognition was entirely started because of, because of the pandemic like that. We knew we needed digital capabilities. So we, we built that business. She yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you say it, I'm like, Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds like um, you, you have a very forward way of thinking, which is, which is, which is needed. You, know, um, you have a very pioneer spirit, which is needed uh, in the, not only in your industry, but for people that are going to help pave the way uh, for the industry to follow, right? So you, you're noticing that things are happening. You're noticing that things are mission. And that's really what entrepreneurship is, right? They say, like, 
Find a problem first, right? You want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be an inventor? Find a problem that needs a solution, right? And then develop the solution. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about this. But try to fix a problem or find a solution to a problem, and then you will have your product, right? So mm-hmm. now, so now mm-hmm. with that said, right? So, you, you know, okay, so COVID lifts, and now you guys are back into the personal event throwing, right? So now... When you went back into the personal event throwing, even though you had so much success in the uh, digital space, did you go hybrid at that time? Did you actually still like mix it and, and say, OK, we're going to throw this event at the club. But if you can't make it to the club, you can tune in on this stream and stuff like that and still experience the party um, in, a, in, a, in a different uh, capacity. Yeah. So I'll tell you, you know, how I felt that we should develop this. Right. At first. Yeah, we tried to live stream some stuff. And, you know, we said, oh, you know, can't make it to Comic-Con. You know, you can watch. You can watch. And very quickly, I was just like, do people really want to watch other people having fun at home? Like, is that? <laughs> and that was how hybrid got defined. It, 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 it got kind of crazy. Everyone was like, we're going to just, we're going to have a, don't, can't come. Here's the stream link. And I'm like, what? You, you think people want to watch other people having fun? Um, so I was very quick to kind of put the end to that and try to convince brands that they're wasting their money trying to live stream experiences that people, people go to experiences and they go to events to be a character in that story. You, when you're there, when you're, whether you're in the club, whether you're at a party, whether you're, you know, going through an immersive kind of crazy experience, you now play it, your character. And you're co-creating because where what you do influences the impact that you have that night. You know, <laughs> you can spend more time on the dance floor, more time in the booth, more time at the bar. You can talk to this person or that person. You have a lot of control over crafting the experience. Like you pick your journey. When you're watching, you have no control. You're a bystander. You're a passenger on the experience and that's mm. just that's not an experience that's something that, that's tv or so that's watching something yeah now that being said what neat what has been happening and things we're starting to look at is how to create parallel digital experiences that are crafted to be digital and that do have that kind of effect of serendipity and action and you know allow people to meet the other people in the digital experience, communicate with the other people in the digital experience, communicate with the brand, you know, pick your, play a game, gamify it, et cetera. And if you think like, it's not about taking a physical experience and streaming it, but it's instead creating a physical and then thoughtfully crafting a digital experience alongside it, then I think you have a formula for success for sure. Absolutely. That's That's big. That's, That's huge. And to piggyback on what you said, Chad, like yeah. to find a solution as a business owner is one thing, right? But to find a solution for your internal problems and then build a business off of that, right? That's amazing, bro. So I, <laughs> I love I love that. That shit is insane. So I love the fact that you did that. But also another thing that I want to talk about too is um like what are you did a lot of campaigns. What are what is the one right now that you hang your hat on? What is the most if somebody asks you right now, NVE experience or actually Brett Hyman. What is the one experience that you created that you like, man, that's badass. I did that. <laughs> I'll give you I'll give you two very different ones. Cause one okay. is just the best party I've ever thrown. And I gotta tell you about that. And then the second is the most impactful. And I'm not even mm. sure, you know, cause cause when in the world of brand experience marketing, like really the marketing side, 
the measurement of success is like how meaningful it was to the people that were there. Like you want to mm. create, we, we actually have this chart and we're like, what's the least meaningful thing and the most meaningful thing, right? Like least mm. meaningful, like experience that you would have is probably brushing your teeth. Like you, it, that is autopilot. We call that prosaic experiences. You don't even know, you don't even pay attention that you're in that experience, right? The, then a level up, I would say there's like a mindful experience. A mindful experience might be like cooking dinner. It doesn't really mean anything to you, but you got to pay attention or you'll cut your finger off, right? Like that, 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 that's a level up, you know? And I go to many mindful experiences and I'm still like not excited. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, being that passenger in, you know, certain types of content, it feels a little mindful. Then you move up a level to meaningful experience. Okay, I sh I went. I just saw the best movie of my life. I just saw the best concert. I this meant something to me. I I I feel like this thing will for you know will will have uh, an impact in me at some later date. And then the highest is transformational. I'm forever changed for this. And by the way, transformational isn't just like. It isn't like I'm forever. I just I just realized, you know, I, I believe in a higher power or something. Transformational could be like, I didn't like coffee. Now I like coffee. That that's that's a small transformation, but it's it's you'll forever be changed because you mm. started drinking coffee because somebody crafted this tasting experience that's just magical. Um so transformational can transformation can be tiny, it can be micro, and it can be massive. So I I like to think, you know, the NVE's tagline is the right moment will transform someone forever. And the goal is NVE crafts those right moments because if we did it right, somebody's leaves forever changed, forever impacted, forever you know, transformed. And hopefully when it comes to brand marketing, they buy the brand. <laughs> they, 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 exactly. They're like, oh, I'm going to get an Audi now instead of a Ford or whatever we're trying to push. Right. Yeah. Hey, wait, Brett, can you, but, but before you go into the experiences, I'm curious, how, do, how does one, especially to the brand, because I'm a digital guy, I'm attribution and all that, right? So how do you actually measure the transformation that happened at the event? Are you doing surveys after? And then how are they tracking the success of that event post-event? Are they, is it sales numbers? Is it QR codes? Like, how do you track that? Such a good question. And the answer, there's a couple, there's a couple of answers to it. And the first answer is I tell people not to. And people, what? what? You know, like we, it is very hard to create attribution. We actually invented it. We worked with a guy at Harvard, uh, Professor uh, Talis Teixeira, who specializes in something called the experience economy. He wrote a book. I think it's called the experience economy. And he, and we said, look, here's a bunch of data from our events. What do you think we, how do you think we can provide ROI to the brands? And he came up with something called the attention quotient. It was measuring the potency of the attention because in the mm. end, what was, what was happening in the experience world is like, to your point, the number of impressions ain't impressive, right? Like we had 500 people here. We had a thousand people tune in, you know, that's, you can buy, you can buy $10 of ads on, on Facebook and get 500 people. Right. But those 500 people for a split second is very different than 500 people for 30 minutes, deeply engaged in your narrative and story and the potency of the attention that they're paying. Might want to, you might wonder whether or not there's more conversions there. Like I can, I can probably get more people to be interested in this car 
by giving them a really impactful experience than I can with a banner ad, you know, and, and yeah, so you have small reach, but you have deeper, greater impact, more potency of attention. And then you get the amplification effects that all should be measured. And that's the usual earned media, the, the million impressions from PR, you know, the, the social amplification. Here's Website visits. And, you know, you really do get this exponential product. So we offer that. Most clients don't want it. Most clients believe that there is this new area, this uncharted territory of why we need to have brand experience marketing as, as a bigger and bigger bucket of the marketing mix. And it's called community building. Yeah. The, in order to stay relevant, it is brands need to service their community. They need to engage their community. They need to make sure that their community feels that they are an active member of something bigger than themselves. People don't just buy something anymore because they saw an ad. I mean, every once in a while you get that piece of junk off an Instagram ad, but overall, more often than not, we are we are driven to care about whether you know it's Supreme and the hype community or whether it's you're a whiskey aficionado and you want Johnny Walker. Like there, where we're headed nowadays is we're, we're, we're gravitating toward brands that build community. So brand experience marketing is about fostering that community, building that community, connecting that community and, and turning them into advocates and doing that uh, it, for us has an exponential effect because all of those advocates are why things grow. And we can just go to any brand that went viral or any brand that has become big and looked at it all started with a community. Message. Oh my goodness. Well, it can't let you, can't community, let community building. That's, that's where it's going. Can't let yeah. you go past that. You know, yeah. I, um, I don't, I don't want to get on my soapbox thing, but I, I got to get it off because you said it, you know, I feel the exact same way. I don't, I don't care what other people think. Like if I see, you could have the Brett Hyman, you know, woolly, woolly bear socks. You know what I'm saying? If I like them, <laughs> If I like them, I like them, right? Let's say I buy them, right? But now I look at Brett Hyman, the company, right? And now I got your woolly bear socks. Now that I'm your customer, I am your community, but it's, a, it's becoming a part of my lifestyle. Now what you do, I'm watching you, right? If you do something that I feel like violates the core principles of my community, I'll never support you again. I will never Ever. support you again. You understand? And I've, I have this conversation that ends up turning into an argument. I tell people all the time, right? There's a difference between people that that brand hop. I call it brand hopping, right? When a brand is hot, oh, you know, all the rappers are wearing this label now. I don't care what it is. Now everybody wants to wear it, right? And then you walk into a room and somebody looks at you and goes, you look absolutely atrocious. And they go, but this is the $800 fuzzy mammoth sweater. And if you got to describe, you understand what I'm, if, if you got to describe what you're wearing and tell a story behind it, then obviously it's not working for who you are. And, and the reason that it's not working is because it's not connecting to your lifestyle. What you're doing is trying to ca carbon copy somebody else's, right? And I'm, and I'm huge against that because I think that you become trendy. And what you do is you attach yourself to a trend or to a gimmick. And when the gimmick dies, you die. Mm, yeah, I hear you. You die, yeah. right? So you'll hear Jared and you'll hear Jared say this a lot, right? Be your authentic self, right? He's gotten to where he's gotten by being his authentic self, right? We keep promoting this thing, right? Be your authentic self. 
do not be afraid to say, I don't like that. It doesn't yeah. fit with what I do or what I like, right? Like, I like Johnny Walker, but I can't drink Johnny Walker straight. Like, you understand? Like, it has a bitter aftertaste to me. Like, I just don't like it straight, right? And I don't like the black. I like the blue. So you understand what I'm saying? Like, I'll drink it, but it has to be in a certain line of things, right? But if Johnny Walker ever did something that I felt like disrespected me and the community that I represent, I'll never drink Johnny Walker again. Absolutely. Like, it's just, it has to be that way. You have to hold brands responsible. It's not just funneling your hard-earned money into them anymore because people are spending without thought at this point. Yeah, yep, that's you know how what it's I mean. Been. And, and shout out to Karina on the check, and she said, "Don't forget yeah. about your your favorite or most successful event." Oh, well, okay. Minds <laughs> okay. Know. Right. okay. Gotcha. We gotta get to it. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah but and shout out to Karina. But to your point, uh, brands um, have brand acts now. They have they make plays, you know, and and how they show up in the world. They need to be damn careful, and they need to be smart, but they need to be real. I believe that NBE is really good at advising brands on that. Definitely our clients. And that's probably one of the bigger shifts of what this brand experience, experiential industry was. It was a very executional thing. What am I going to do and how I'm going to, I'm going to do it. NBE has introduced, why am I doing this? And when we ask that to brands and when we help them think about culture, think about the communities that they're about to talk to, uh, we help get to better, more impactful, more transformative solutions. So, you know, that that to me is is the kind of shift of why I'm building NBE the way we are. But also it's what I think brands have got to do. And too many still to this day think like I, I got, you know, I, I'm, I'm launching a new movie event, you know, and but the experience is always on. People are experiencing it before, after. They're experiencing that, you know, and how that brand acts and shows up in the world really makes a big difference. So Huge. we want to advise more on that and change the way that brands think about uh, the, how they, they act in the world, for sure. Um, to the, um, the experience is always on. Uh, yeah, so my, my favorite party event, I mean, it, it, it was not the, it was not the, it was not the uh, most complex event we've ever done. There, there were some complexities to it, but uh, we were working with Beats. Uh, it was before they got acquired by Apple. They, um, I, I was very, very lucky to get invited to, they, they were coming out with Beats music. I don't know if you know, but they, they had a music service for, it was a really yeah. short-lived music service. Yeah. And uh, they, they explained it to me. It was really hard to understand what they were trying to do. It was a, it was a playlist. It, everything was going to be playlist at first. It was going to be like best nineties hip hop artist playlist by Dr. Dre. Um, and, and it was like Trent Reznor, best rock of the nineties. And, and like, it was like this very specific logic and, and, and it had this interesting engine. You could be like, I'm in the shower. So, and it would do shower songs, like I'm driving and it, and, it was, it, it was interesting. And, and so they were like, we're going to launch this thing. And they, they just like, we need a producer, uh, come to this meeting. And, you know, uh, they gave me an address to go to a meeting and it wasn't their office. So, I mean, this is really what happened. The address is Jimmy Iovine's house. And yeah, for real, for real. And so I go to, 
and, and like, we're a really small company then this is like 2012. So I'm going to a lot of the meetings. I'm taking the first, like I'm, I'm, I'm ingesting the new clients. Like I'm learning and then I'm trying to figure out how we're going to do whatever it is they want to accomplish. And they're like, all right, we're launching beats music. Here's the day, you know? And they're like, what venue should we do? I gave them a few venues that made sense. They, they wanted, and they're like, we want to do like the ultimate nineties hip hop playlist. Um, you know, we, we, we want to like uh, have Dr. Drake curate it and we're going to have all these fans come and we're going to play the playlist. And I'm like, okay, I mean, doesn't, you're just going to push play. And you know, the fans are going to be like, that's a, that's a fun party, but like, where's the moment? But did and, you, told, you told beats that? Cause most people wouldn't have been. A, oh yeah. No, they beats. were asking me. Yeah. They're right. In, they, well, uh, so I, 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 they said, Brett, you, you misunderstand. <laughs> Eminem, Dre, Busta Rhymes, Puff Daddy, Red Man and Method Man, Cypress Hill, The Hot Boys, uh, Nas, Puff Daddy, and Mace are going to perform all together at one on one stage. Wow. And I was like, at the same on the same day. That's, that's a music <laughs> festival. <laughs> Who's calling them? And they're like, we already have it figured out. Um, and that and that was like the event that we got asked to create was and the and the fans had no idea. They knew they were coming to an event. They knew that it was the Beats launch party. Um, and a curtain drops down and 17, 14, 14 of the most iconic performers of all time each go one by one in a it, 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 we have one backing band. We had Eminem's live band, and they learned all the songs. And it like started out with um, the Hot Boys, and it, it started out with Busta Rhyme, and then just and then Nas comes out, and then Puff Daddy and Mace come out. They do Mo Money, Mo Problems, and and it ends with Eminem and Dre, and and people are speechless. People can't even breathe. They're freaking out. Uh, I'm speechless now. Shit, I'm not even going. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how fire. Yeah. So long story short, I I, I learned I learned something interesting. So I was looking back at the photos of that event. And I was like, and I, I I stood front row. I have all these photos still, uh, just like of all the acts, all the people, all all this action. And I then our photographer had turned around and f not facing the stage and was just taking pictures of the crowd and the looks on the people's faces as these artists were coming out one by one, just like a complete surprise. Like you don't even know who's coming, and you know, it's, it was so amazing that I was like, I don't even want to take photos anymore of the, everyone knows the show is dope. We take one photo, you know, take a few photos, but what we want is the, we want, why we're here is for the faces of the audience, of the guests of the people experiencing this moment right here. And I've encouraged us to take more of those photos to really, cause that's how you understand how cool the event was. And, you know, whenever we go on Instagram, Everyone posts like that concert, you know, Hey, you know, they're, they're holding up their phone, the, you know, who, you know, the weekends on stage and it, they're recording 17 minutes of it. <laughs> Do you really know if it was cool by watching that or would you be more, would you have a better understanding of the experience? If you saw the faces of everyone there, the shock, the awe, the, the serendipity, the magic. And you know, that's just like a learned kind of lesson to me is like, that's how you know you really succeeded is when you see the faces of the people. So, wow. Yeah. She.
No, mm-hmm. but but, th- but you said that was 2012. That was before, technically, before you formed NVE. So was that the moment was like, this is what we have to do? I want to I want to create more transformative events and experiences like this. Was that that one moment? Maybe, maybe it was a little later. Though. It was NVE. It was the first iteration of NVE. I think mm-hmm. I had still been extra. It was the transition. So maybe it was 2013. I'll have to look at the day. I'll send you the video after this. There, there's a video so, out there. It aired on Revolt. Um, and... Yeah. There's a really, really solid video of like them doing this, this, this experience. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely, I was still learning. I mean, a lot of, a lot of my hustle early on was like, yeah, yeah, I could produce that event. And then like, call like anyone knows good staging vendor that can do a rotating stage. Like what? Uh, rotating, you know, anyone know how to do lasers that come, you know, straight down and hit the crowd. Like I would just figure it out forever. So yeah. I got a, I got a question for you because I used to live out in uh, I used to live in California for uh, about a year or two, mm-hmm. and um, I had a, a transformative moment. Um, you ever did a rave party? Have I done a rave? I've done a few. I've done a few. No, no, raves. no, no. Not like not as an attendee, but like as as a person throwing a rave. Have you ever thrown a rave? I have thrown a couple. Yes, in my club days, I have right. been involved in several different rave things right. you know what uh, which i can tell you the story of you know a private party it almost right. turned into a little bit of a, a, a situation with cascade but uh yeah so i've been involved in several different versions of raves depending on where you're headed with this yeah, no i'm just saying we was talking about transformative because I'm, I'm just being honest right so we lived out in california i was out in california i was in the um we was in the Orange County section, right? And mm-hmm. they were saying, like, let's go to San Bernardino. You, you familiar with San Bernardino? Of course, of course. Right. Oh, you so, went right. to, like, Nocturnal Wonderland. <laughs> right, 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 exactly, right? So, you know, Club Metro's out there and all that. So so one day, uh, a good friend of mine is like, let's go to this really big party. I hear it's in a warehouse, and it's just rocking. So we drive an hour and a half. We get there, and I can hear the music from outside, right? I hear the music from outside. So I'm like, oh, we're going to have a good time. And then I get inside and I realize it's a rave, right? Now, I've been to parties. I've been to concerts. I've never been to a rave. Like, New York, our culture, we don't rave. But, like, we but, don't, but what, what's a rave? Huh? Like, if anybody listens, what's a right. rave? What is a, considered uh, a rave, bro? Um, uh, you want my version of what a rave is? Yeah, it was, it was, I, it's just rave, it's, I think of, like, ecstasy so and shit. That's right? exactly what the fuck it was. That's exactly right, what it was. Right, so I right. walk in. I walk in the door. It's in a warehouse. And there's, like... A thousand people in there, right? And everybody's like dancing, right? Having a good time. And then I notice people have on like gloves and big Mickey Mouse hands and shit. They're touching each other. And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this? And then people like shining lights in each other's faces. And I'm like, yeah. I look at my guy and I'm like, what the fuck did you bring me to, right? What's wrong with this guy? Am I getting me or what? It was transparent. <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm being honest, right? We're talking about the, the experience, right? That changed my life because, first of all, I realized I've never been to a party where the music is that loud. Mm-hmm. Like, I literally had to walk outside a couple of times and, and let my ears calm down because I'm like, holy shit, did you guys actually buy the world's biggest speakers? You know what I mean? And just like, you have no vibe. Yeah. yeah. Like you have no, vi- you don't have an audio engineer. Clearly you just crank that shit up, turn it all the way up and, and whatever happens, happens. Right. So, you know, it, it was, but it was a great experience. I'll never do it again, but 
it was a great experience, but I was just wondering, like, you know, like, was you big on raves and stuff? Because that's like a cult, that rave culture is huge. I'm telling you right now. That I, rave community no. and that rave culture is huge. And they go from party to party to party to party. It's a, like a cult following. But they're the community. That's kind of what you yeah, said earlier. Yeah, that's what I'm right? saying. Once you yeah. have that community, you can it's crazy. Like, yeah, it's crazy. crazy. But what you said, though, Brett, that, that I picked up on, too, after this, um, was you figuring it out, right? Like, so me and Chad, we're doing the same shit, right? We have our own business, OTB. We're figuring out, obviously, we're, we're digital, we're, we're web developers, all those good things. But you're still figuring out on the fly, right? You're figuring 100%. shit out. You're trying to figure out your margins. If you had to outsource, you're going to do it in-house, all those things. So when you was doing that, the, the, the first iteration of NVE, what was the, the biggest thing you've overcome? What was, like, the craziest shit that's happened in one of your events? You're like, oh, my God, this shit is, oh, no. Oh, my God. Uh <laughs> What was the old every possible moment? thing that can go wrong? Uh, I definitely like in, in when you do certain events, uh, like very custom events, you submit your plans to the fire department and they stamp them and they say, okay, as long as you build this plan, everything is good. And I remember doing several, there, there was a, there was a, there was a couple big events where the fire marshal stopped by right before opening. They usually stop by and like, it's a very, ceremonial thing uh not you know the plan's already stamped so you're not supposed to mess with it and and he, and this guy was like oh no no we're not you have to have railing on this whole thing here and we're like no no the plan says no rail because it's it's under it's under 36 inches you can't have to have rail on any, any riser that's over 36 inches i was like look it's 34 and he's like yeah I'm, we're not doing that rule tonight i just don't like it and i was like you just don't like it that's not a rule that's what are we talking about? You know? And, and he was just like, we're not opening the doors until you get rail on this huge thing. I mean, this is like a truck load of rail that has to, that, that, you know, me maybe have 30 minutes to get it. And, you know, and, and the guys just, just decided to change the rules. And I should say that it is quite common in the, in the world of live events, like the rules get changed on you. Uh, and it's not your fault. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you miss something. And sometimes, uh, you know, that there's a lot of subjective forces, city councils. Like I have a lot of Coachella experiences where they're just like, we just, it's just too loud. And I'm like, no, no, no. The decibel meter is below 23. And they're like, nah, it's just too loud. And, but the, but the rule is 23 or whatever. And they're still telling you, you can't have, you know, you, that can't happen. So for me, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's about, you turn on that EQ. I mean, you turn on two things. One is you try to find a common ground with the people that are the enforcement people. Um, and the second thing is you got to be a problem solver. Being in the world of events is, is, is being able to, to keep your cool, keep your calm and resource quickly. I found that rail. I got it installed. There was an event a couple miles away. I knew the guy putting that event on. He had, he had a staging vendor there. The staging vendor had rail, at their warehouse, their warehouse is 20 minutes. I calculated it. I opened doors five minutes late. Um, and it could have been not, it could have not happened. I mean, I, I, I didn't even know if I'd find it. So things like yeah. that happen quite often. Wow. You know? Yeah. And, and Chad, um, I just saw you too with your neck. Look, you broke it. You was doing No, no, no. <laughs> like no, I did that. No. Yeah, no, no, no. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're thinking you're on I'm like, God, yeah. dick crack. That's more like, that's, that's more like partying. No, I've, I've had situations like that, believe it or not, um, Brett. I've been to parties where, um, They'll throw a party at a venue, obviously get all the permits and stuff because it's set up, cabanas, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. A concert stage, et cetera, right? The party goes off without a hitch. The next party, which is a couple of weeks later, gets shut down. You understand? Like the cops come, same thing. Oh, it's too loud. And they, and they say the same thing. Like, 
we're, we're lost. We're in the same decibels as the other party. That we're below, and they're like, we don't care. Send everybody home. Not now. Right now. Like, you know what I mean? So I definitely understand that. And, and they had to compromise also. They're like, listen, you got all these people that spent all this money, right? The thing about throwing a dope event or anything, like a product, right? A good review is amazing, but a bad review? Yes. One, listen, listen, listen. One bad review from one disgruntled, and you can't please everybody, and we understand this, right? You try your best, but you can't please everybody. But you know how they say, like, bad news spreads like wildfire. Like, you'll get one person that's a good writer, especially now with the Twitter and all that. They'll say something, and, and before they even hit send, that shit is reposted a thousand times and everybody's like the the possibility of you having a good event is now destroyed like yeah. nobody even remembers what happens they're only talking about this one thing that this one disgruntled person is talking about so i, I definitely understand that yeah know? we live in a it, yeah. in the events business too like it's 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 a one strike and you're out kind of world like you don't get three strikes you 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 get one um and and, the, and they'll shut you down but on your rave comments I, I i did i did have some funny thoughts like, yeah <laughs> that, that, let's get to it bro let's get to it <laughs> no it was funny because like, you just described such an interesting the outside experience which which i had when i when i first went but the reason that i was not in a raves it, it was not my style of music for a long time and uh but rave edm music went mainstream at some point when i was club promoting it got real huge Avicii, uh, you know, started there. I'm trying to remember like all the Cascade, Dead Mouse. Suddenly, these because every club that I did, we had what we called open format hip hop, which was like radio friendly hip hop 90% of the time, you know, and 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 that was just that was Hollywood. That's what sold bottles. That's what made the most money. Uh, people like to like, you know, they'd buy 10 bottles of Crystal when XYZ song would come on. But then out of nowhere, we get this. People are like, "Yeah, you know, we'll buy some bottles, but we want Dead Mouse, and, and we want Tiesto, <laughs> and we want, and, and we want Zed." And, and, and suddenly, I'm like, "Well, we don't have those DJs. You know, can't we just play the song? The DJ can play the song." And for some reason, the same exact track had to be played by the guy in the hat. You know, in the crazy yeah. hat. Or, or, or the or the the didn't he have the um the mouse head that yeah. lights up? Yeah, yeah I yeah. remember. Yeah, he has yeah, the, now the, you have marshmallow, the lights up. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, so that got that got real mainstream. It, it happened in New York too, because I came out and visited in New York and, and Vegas. You know, Vegas is always like one year behind anything that happened in Hollywood. I remember out of nowhere, Marquee Marquee was the first club in Vegas to start booking DJs, um, and and then Excess followed really quickly. And 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 the DJ thing still drives a lot of Vegas club culture. Still, still is is pretty popular. But um, so I, I didn't know how to get those DJs to play like an LA club. So I, I actually did reach out to a friend of mine, a guy who I'd become closer and closer friends with is probably one of the most honorable, best guys in, in music who, who is the biggest rave producer. Um, and I, and I was just like, if you ever have a DJ, like that, that doesn't want to do a rave, but wants to do like a mainstream Hollywood club, like uh, my clients are asking, and he was just like, yeah, actually, uh, they called it an underplay. He usually plays for 50,000 people, but I think I can get you Benny Benassi for 500 people and Cascade and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, Sh let's try it. And it was a crazy. It was, it was crazy. People showed up. And suddenly the DJs, there was like two or three years where they thought it was cool to just show up at a club 10% of the size of their normal show like and 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 play 
And more often than not, people thought it was really fun and it just became mainstream. And so then I wanted to check out raves. So I went to a several, I went to San Bernardino. I went to Electric Daisy Carnival in Vegas a couple of times. Um, and I, I, I love experiences so much so that, I mean, Electric Daisy Carnival is one of the most, it, it is not like crazy, kooky, you know, weird underground stuff. It, it is a beautiful, loving community experience that anyone can have a fun at. I mean, it, it is inclusive of every people who like every genre of music, everything. And, and I, I had no idea. I just was used to going to Coachella. That's the thing I knew. And um, it really opened my mind. So I have a tremendous respect for, for the people that create a lot of that stuff. I mean, some of it absolutely underground. Some of it's still a little mainstream. It's definitely not as mainstream in club culture anymore. I mean, it's, we're back to open format hip hop. Yeah. Um, but it, it still has its, its place for sure. And, you know, so it, it's been fun. It's been fun being part of that. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You yeah. know what you know what I'm thinking too? Actually, I actually have a two-part question, right? So like aside from the Coachellas and, and the bigger ones, who do you think gets events really well? What's a really well thrown, well put together event that you've been at that we could, you know, we could sh sh shed light on. And also, I'm curious, like this uh, opportunity to shed light on NVE and your team. What is your creative process yeah. to create a, an experience? Like, what did the drawing board look like? How many iterations of the first idea do you guys go through? Like, who on your team is the rock star? Like, like, what does that process look like? Yeah. Uh, so, in terms of great events. Um... You know, I, I, there, there's just such a variety. It depends what you're, what you're looking for, like music festival versus cultural moment versus, you know, you, you know, just like big epic party. Um, the big cultural moment that has become pretty wild is Art Basel in Miami. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we I just that. love Miami. We, yeah, we missed that. Yeah, we missed that. We, I'm going it. next year. Yeah, we missed it. I'm going next year. It, 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 it's a scene. It's a film. Like, it, 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 there's everything you could want there. Like, the, when the crypto, you know, the crypto thing was big in 2021 and a little bit of 22, mostly 2021, they showed up with more money than I could imagine and added another dimension to Art Basel. But, like, there's every kind of party. There's the art somewhere. Uh, every club has its <laughs> moment. Like, it's, it's in there. It's in there. <laughs> It's funny because like, I, I was like going to the art shows and everyone's like, why? I'm like, it's our basil. And they're like, okay, go to live, go to story, uh, go to 11. You know, and I'm like, holy shit. I mean, I, 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 I heard that like those, those top clubs had, had spenders who did 300,000 plus at the tables. Uh, some of those nights, like they were big nights. So, um, you know, basil's one to look out for, um, you know, Coachella, I, I don't even want to call, I'm friends with all of them. Like I, 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 I my prediction is they're going to get Taylor Swift next year and try to reinvent it again. We'll see how that works out. My, my company, NVE, does a lot of the outside Coachella things. We, we, we've been doing yeah, that forever, right. um, which is not really sanctioned by them. You know, they, they do their own thing and it's, it's not, it's always a contentious thing about what happens outside. And we've worked mm -hmm. on a lot of those events, but there's some good parties um, at Coachella, every brand shows up, you know, that this past year, Soho house had a really elite super premium event. Mm. Um, we, we uh, worked on the revolve event, which was epic and just so influencer heavy. Um, and, uh, you know, everything, the DJs, the parties, they're, they're really good. Um, in terms of creative, I mean, for us, like creative is, is half of our product. It's, 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 developing the ideas and then executing on those ideas. Like yeah. that's it's yin and yang. Sometimes 
the creatives are told very often we can't build that and or we don't have the budget you know and then the producers sometimes are are similarly talking to the creative saying we need something bigger or different so there i always we always are refereeing that relationship yeah um but, but yeah we have you know we have all different kinds of creative now like a, a lot of what's happening in like with the streamers uh is like they want to build these kind of world experiences where like they take the show and they like make an immersive almost theatrical moment where you walk in and there's actors and character like we did a lot of that at comic-con last year um for you know the comic-con people love it they love to be in like a fan experience so, so that's cool but a couple weekends ago we did the new season of the righteous gemstones and we we kind of had a fake monster truck rally in in venice mm. um so there's just like always these really creative so so there's like those people who have like a theater background then there's people who are thinking a little bit more creatively about like a party and and not about the story but about what's the most creative guest experience what are the sight lines? What should, should we see everything? Should certain things be hidden and then revealed later? Or do we need the energy of this big, massive crowd? You know, like there's a lot of science that goes into this crafting, like the scene that you want people to right. walk into. Right. So, yeah, so it's, yeah. it's, it's a whole process. And we, we, a lot of us, you know, different teams work on different things. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's just, I mean, it sounds like everybody has their thinking caps on and, you know, they're just they're just allowed to kind of go crazy, which is which leads me up to this next question. So since you guys are developing these immersive uh, experiences, right, has any so, you know, in, in um, modern culture, right, we celebrate a lot of holidays. So one of the biggest holidays is like Halloween. Right. People mm -hmm. love haunted houses and stuff like that. They love that to be scared. That's why scary movies do so well. Right. So two is a two part question. Have you ever been approached by any like Hollywood um, production companies that are that are coming out with like a scary movie and or have you you know been approached by a production house that wants to put together like the ultimate haunted house experience or something like that and you guys work on something like that yeah uh i don't so so probably like one of the closer things it's not it wasn't halloween but last year there's a sh uh, the fx show american horror story yeah, that's my huge favorite. show uh, wanted us to create a kind of in-world experience. And in the, um, in the show, in that season, there, it was kind of based around this, this like kind of weird bondage leather shop. Um, oh, you're that, starting to get crazy. You're starting to get crazy. Yeah. The, the NYC of the, the season, yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, so you saw it, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, my yeah. shit. I love that show. <laughs> so we built a leather shop in West Village and we, we pretended it was a legitimate shop and when you walked in there some it was a whole experiential there was cast of characters there was guys in these like crazy costumes you had to pick up a phone and someone on the other side gave you a uh, a safe word and then that safe word ended up being a t-shirt that you got when you finished the walking through the wow photo moment with like all these chains i think it's on our website but uh it's it's a it's an amazing um, it was an amazing project such so it was an honor to work on it um and you know it, it's it, it we really brought that that at ahs nyc to life um and it, it was literally an operating thing that lasted for two weeks so wow fire yeah that's yeah. big I like yeah that. halloween is absolutely the probably the best party holiday yeah. of all party holidays like yeah. everyone goes out when i was a club promoter like it was my favorite night to do 
Um, I, I work, I've worked on every type of Halloween party that you can imagine, but those tend to be social events. Like it, it isn't tied enough to brands that they should, they should do more. Um, it's hard, but maybe they will, but in ter- I threw an epic Halloween party, yeah. uh, last year in, in Bel Air at some, you know, outrageous house. Um, and, and that was just a total blast. So we do do them, but brands should do more. They're, they're much more just social like club parties. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it connects because when you think about it, right, if you're talking about a brand and talking about building a community, don't just build for the adults that already have experienced a certain part of life. Halloween is for the kids also. Mm-hmm. Right. So Halloween mm-hmm. primarily, primarily is for the kids, but adults love it so much that they get involved. So that's why it's something that can that can just you know, explode so quickly because not only can the adult get involved, but now you can influence a child that's two, three, four, five, six and introduce them into a community that they're going to grow into. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that kind of thing is happening. Uh, there, There's a few of them in LA now, these ticketed experiences. I don't know what has been on the East coast. They, they, they were on shark tank. The ones that did the haunted hayride. I don't know if you saw that one, no. but it was like a ticketed walkthrough experience. But then luckily a guy who does what we do, um, he was more of a, a social event planner, created something called Knights of the Jack. And you bought a ticket, you could take your whole family. And it was like these crazy pumpkin installations just over the top. And you just walked down. It was like a half mile route. You took your whole fam and it was like just light show and then pumpkin show. And then, and it was, it was not scary. It was a family friendly one. And then, you know, they charged 50 bucks each or something like that. Um, so that type, we call that like experiential installations or ticketed experiential events. Again, not really brand things. They make their money off the tickets. Uh, but that, that I can't, I bet you that's going to happen on the East Coast this year if it hasn't already happened. But yeah, the, it, the Knights of the Jack is a very cool one. Yeah. yeah, it it, yeah. it it allows you to, like you said, like just get your creativity out when you're doing things like this. So at NVE, right, I'm pretty sure like I don't know what your how your office is set up, but, you know, like um, places where they just want people to feel like there's no constraints like Google and stuff like that. Right. It's like a video <laughs> game center yeah. and there's no cubicles and they don't want you to feel like oh, I'm going to work. I'm going to punch the clock. They want you to come in excited. You know what I mean? Yeah. So with with a with an organization like yours, where, where you guys uh, create what you do, I'm pretty sure that it's, it has to be an environment that just fosters free thought, yeah. right? Like, listen, yeah, like you might have like you know like like me like me and Jared do it all the time. Like we'll get on a call and we call it throwing shit at the wall, right? Mm-hmm. We'll we'll have something that we want to you know discuss or try to figure out a problem, and we'll just throw ideas at a wall, right? Hey, what do you think about this name? Uh, what do you think about this name? Or, Oh, I like half of that and half of this. And, and we just creatively go at it for an hour and a half. And no, you know, I know ideas a stupid idea. You know, no answer is a dumb answer. It's just let's just throw as many ideas at it and then we'll pick apart and put together certain places like that. So, um, you know, I want to talk about the work experience that you have at NVE um, for, for your, your workers. How, how is that experience for them, right? Like, have you ever talked to your workers and say, hey, I know I'm the boss, but do you actually like working for me? Like, do you like working for... Because that's very important. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very... Ask, I, I, I understand, but, but it's right. very important because all of us can say, um, well, I don't know your story. You never told us if you actually had... A, you said you started party promotion, but you didn't say you actually worked for somebody first, right? Did you ever have a regular job where you had a boss? 
Not per, not really. I had an internship, okay. Uh, okay. you know, but yeah, okay. no, I, I had okay. to learn to be a boss without seeing a model of a boss. Right. Okay. So, so that's why I stopped myself and said, all of us have that experience. So me and Jared have had that experience and I'm pretty sure other people have had that experience where you can work for a boss and you can be enthusiastic, right? Your first couple of days on the job, you come in like, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to rock this thing. And depending on the environment that you're working in, by like two weeks, you're like, I'm gonna fucking quit. I, I hate this shit. I'm never coming back. So I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's important. I think a lot of CEOs missed that back in the day with understanding the importance of treating your workers with not only respect, but making them feel comfortable and making them want to come to work. Cause then when they come to work, you get all the energy. You get you get everything. They it's not only your company, it's their company too. You want them to feel like yeah. NVE is their company. Absolutely. Because when they feel like that, they're gonna go above and beyond what you're asking them for anyway. Yeah, they might clock out, but they're gonna go home and still think about, you know what I mean, things of how to make these, you know, your product better. So have you ever actually sat down and like, you know, asked them or, you know, did like a, a worker appreciation thing to say, hey guys, man, you know, do you like working for us? Or is there well, anything at MVE you want to change? Or, or would you do, like to do, see? Or do yeah. a dope event for them. Or a party? Or did, have you ever yeah. thrown an event for, for, your, for your employees? Same thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. uh, you, got the, you got the I throw epic shit face. <laughs> you about to drop a bomb on it. There we go. I'm ready. I'm ready. Well, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of facets and dimensions to the culture of the company. Um, the so I love that you kind of went here, but um, I there. Where do I start? First of all, I I spent in two years and an ungodly amount of money building the best office of all time in 2019. I I was building a, you know this premier creative open office, but lots of meeting rooms, kombucha on tap. I finished it, opened it February, 2020, closed March, 2020. Um, and Jesus. yeah, I have videos of it. I have like, <laughs> not even 30 days. I, 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 I can't remember how many days we, we, we were shit. in that space. Um, that's crazy. So, you know, we, I thought, I thought a lot has changed um, in in all companies as a result of that pandemic, 100%. And anyone that doesn't recognize that's crazy. Um, I'm sure they do. But we, so we had, uh, you know, this world, we, culture was the office culture. It was what happened when you got there. That was culture. And I knew what I was building. It was like my personal project. Um I worked with my creative, you know, one of my creative leaders on it. And, and, and we, we just like had cool branding and art, Mr. Brainwash stuff. Everything was there, you know, and Mr. Brainwash came himself and gave me a couple pieces. Like it was like nothing you've ever seen. And, you know, everything changed when we, you know, went remote and, you know, I had, so I started to think about what the plan in, in the end of 2020, I was like, what are we going to do? You know, we, are we, are we, uh, you know, calling everyone back? Are we going to go to an office? And, but I had allowed people to work remote and we had found close to half the people went elsewhere. Um, I mean, we, we, we had people in 25 states 
um, I think we were running because I, I can tell by where we run, we run payroll in the state that the people are in. So, you know, we, we were like, wow, you know, and we, we always had a, a New York office as well, smaller 30 person, you know, New York office, but there was a hundred people in LA. So I immediately like, you know, had to really think what's culture going to be in a new world. And we have spent an enormous amount of time, energy, and resources uh, developing a remote first culture that I think is magical and thriving and special and community building and impactful. And it has tons of dimension to it. Um, it has a lot of different things. And I'll, I'll explain the big one because you asked if I plan an event. So we allow everyone to work wherever they want, whenever they want. We have we managed, we got very lucky. We subleased that space that we built for at least the next few years, hopefully forever, because I doubt I'll need it. Um, and we took, in, and while that is subleased, we took a much smaller clubhousey space, also in West Hollywood, not too far from where I am right now. And, um, and that is available to anyone that wants to use it. it we, you know, we went from 15,000 to about 3,000 square feet, uh, but it, is not necessary is not required to go there and i mean the busy it and and the reality is it ain't used very much it's it's fine it's cool um we we come up with reasons i think we use it more to like have a happy hour than we do to have a meeting like because everyone is everywhere um we so we still have people in about 22 states and but the but but there's one thing that we do need to do which is we need to come together once a year that was my commitment mm -hmm. that we would bring everyone together um, by foregoing the office space, but and we would try to plan a, a year of bonding and culture building into three days. And we started it last year, and we created what we call the summit, which was our you know company retreat, which we did in San Diego. And uh, I have I have a lot of content from it. I have a video and stuff I can absolutely send you. And we we had everything. We had speakers. We had. Uh, we had happy hours, we had poetry reading, we had an, an, an improv class, we had like every kind of thing to get people working together, collaborating together, chilling together, partying together, uh, creating together, designing together, and, uh, you know, going over like some of our big important initiatives. And long story short, that three days did it. Yeah. Wow. Sounds amazing. It, yeah. And it, it, and it just, it showed us like what, what you can get when you're intentional versus having people dragging people to commute, train or car to, to an office to just work there and not, and build five minutes of community and then seven hours of work was not as impactful as saying, we're going to do 72 hours of straight community building. And long story short, that's our commitment. Our summit's coming up again in August. We're doing another, we're going to do it every year. And then on top of that, you know, I, I, the summit is not just the community building facet of the company. It is the biggest expense, biggest lift, biggest thing that we do that kind of culminates a lot of other things that we have. I mean, because we're remote, we really use Slack as a community building tool. Yeah. Uh, we have every type of channel, dog lovers, hip hop lovers, travel lovers, the yeah. moms of NVE, and then we have employee resource group. Yeah. Uh, so we have the black employee resource group, the, um, uh, the LGBTQ employee resource group, the yeah. women of NVE, 
And even those resource groups are uh, coming up with very impactful programming that allows the rest of the company to really establish empathy for people that may not have had the same lived experiences as them. So, I mean, you would the employee resource group sounds like a very corporate term that would be in Harvard Business Review. Yep. This yeah, is geez. the most, <laughs> yeah, it is so creative. What it's important though. It oh is. my God. Super what we just important. did for Pride Month, like we, so at NBE, you come, we have internal programming, a whole Pride Month programming. We just had a Juneteenth programming. Um, and like these groups come up with like multiple element, like a volunteer day, uh, a, a speaker that's going to join us on Zoom, a trivia, con a contest to do something. And, and they have like entire programming internally at our company that's designed to establish compassion and build kind of bridges between people who, who really don't have the same lived experience as other people and don't live and don't know each other. And very quickly, we build community remotely and online and digitally and it works. So Nice. That's the, I love I, I, I've got a plug. I was gonna yeah. say a plug. I would. Yeah. I want to come to the summit now, Brent. If yeah. you want to yeah. tag us, I can do the LinkedIn. We can do this. We bring some energy. Tell people how we close millions from the couch, man. We, we you let sounds us know. Good. I'm ready. To okay. Go he, 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 you know what it is. He just want to go to San Diego because he knows it's hot. <laughs> I'm tired he knows how he's tired of his coat. You know, New York. Listen, I'm be honest with you. New York weather. We've had ten months of cold. I know. <laughs> no, I I'm know. serious. Like you, it'd be like Alexa, what's the weather? She'd be like, yeah, it's 86, and it'll be 42 later. Like, <laughs> like what? 45 <laughs> degrees with Canadian right. smoke. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Right. And, and then smoke. the sky. And then the skies are orange. You know what I mean? So he's like, just ready to get out of smoke. Jeez. Crazy. So, yeah. so let me ask you a question, um, Brett. Um, I know education is important, right? But mm -hmm. with a comp with a company like yours, right? What do you look for in a one like an intern or somebody looking to actually apply for a job uh, at your at your your business? Are you more concerned about like if somebody comes with a degree and say, "Oh, I have a communications degree," or da da da? Or are you looking for somebody that has more on the job experience or has that enthusiasm to say, "Listen, I don't have a degree in this, I don't have a degree in that, but I'm gonna do what it takes and I'm gonna show up." Because that's question. that's that's an argument that I have with a lot of people all the time is always just trying to put that piece of paper to say that somebody sat in a class for you know four years and that doesn't mean you learned anything. You could have. No. See, seize your way the whole way through. It doesn't say what your average was technically on your on your degree. You know what I mean. So, what what does NVE look for for future uh, employees and people interns and stuff that would be looking to um, apply to your company? Yeah, I mean that that's another really deep question. <laughs> you guys have more deep questions. <laughs> okay, hold on, wait, okay, you got you got we got about ten minutes, so you know yeah, we we, yeah. we we you know I'll give you I'll give you the quick answer, <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is we've had it all. And okay. in fact, we, we have to, um, you know, yeah. in certain types of roles, you want someone that's just been in the trenches, like in, in live event production, more often than not, you want someone who has seen it all has been through, who's had the fire marshal tell them you're not opening that day, but just, you know, to start out, you know, I, I remember a few people have come to us and said, I have the hustle just you know, I, I will stand at the door and wristband people so that I can just learn how the entrance works. And I'll work my way up. People, you know, where, where the people that were just started at, at the most basic fundamental levels that have now become executives at our company. There you um, go. And, there and you I, go. Had, I had a, a really awesome, like one of our vice presidents didn't go to one day of college and she sat next to uh, a girl who went to Harvard. 
and they probably taught each other more. And I, 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 I still think that I, I bet you our VP is the one taught, did the more teaching. And mm. so it, we had a person who went to Harvard working with someone who had zero days of college. I, there is so much more to being successful in, yeah. in, in most industries, definitely in our industry. Creativity knows no bounds, you know? That's it. Absolutely. And, and that, but that's the big reason why we wanted to do more than a title, right? Yeah. So that's, that's who I am, right? Like, so I came into the industry. I'm, I'm hip hop. I'm street. I play basketball. But then you try to fit me into this box. I'm also creative. I worked at con. But then you're telling me I can only sell a certain way, like send a thousand emails. Like, who the hell are you telling me I got to send a thousand emails? And then yeah. we flipped it on its head. So I, I love that you did that, bro. But it's also, I have one final question since we're about to, because you talked about the pandemic. And you guys pivoted and, and did all those things. What made you not want to take outside investors? Because that's huge. Because you could have <laughs> went that route, right? Oh, so NBE so is still private? Yeah. Private. Completely wow. private. Fire. Wow. That deserves wow. a horn. I can't even get to yeah, the horn get, quick get to the horn. I can't get even get to the horn quick enough. Fuck, what's wrong with this guy? Am I kidding me or what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. We Private, uh, being independent. So, you know, being private legally and structurally, uh, you know, is the business side. But like our independence, I think, is part of why we give our clients really good experiences because we are flexible. We are agile. Yeah. You know, we can, you know, like once you once you go corporate, it becomes pretty hard to give people what they really need and what they want, you know, in terms of that client experience yeah. um it, it also allows me to invest in my people you know i get a private equity company to come in um i've seen it happen and suddenly it'll be like why given you know why are you flying someone to milan for art week why why are you sending you know uh these three people you know, investing more money in design school or certain speakers they would i don't think i would be allowed to do the summit i maybe like some scaled digital version that you know i spend a hundred bucks on yeah. Um, because they, these people have one goal, it's to make money. So, bottom line. That's yeah. that bottom line. It's always the bottom line. And in the, in the advertising industry, it's it's pretty common. Like agencies like us get acquired. Um, founder wants that cash. And 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 then they lose their culture very quickly. It, it, it's not too, too common that they really fully succeed. You really are selling out your people. So, you know, I get approached. Message. <laughs> oh, that way you can't say that again please please say that you're selling out again. your people absolutely yeah well that's what absolutely. that's the asset that you're selling to these companies you're selling people your people um which you know in some instances like people don't mind that and, and it can make sense but overall like that's that's just not where we're at i'm 39 i have tons of gas left in the tank like I, I would very much like to see how far the rabbit hole goes. And we've transcended a lot of the areas that usually people have to sell. You know, they have cash flow problems, they have scale problems. And we've like just continued to face those challenges and just deal with them ourselves rather than letting, you know, getting distressed and letting someone come in and, and buy us and own us. So, you know, we, we remain independent. Uh, it, it, it comes with its own challenges for sure. At the size of 200 employees, it's, it's definitely like a lot. Uh, but simultaneously we have also just a tremendous amount of respect for our people and we, we don't want to sell them out. So That's it. it's just not going to happen like that. That's it. Yeah. I, I can't think of a better way to, to end off the show 
Cause you on you on mute, Jared. You on mute. Shit, I was I was about to go off too. I'm yeah, gonna, nah, yeah, that was yeah, fire. Now nah, that's it. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna use Jared word. Uh, Brett, we clipping that up. <laughs> we clipping that up. We clipping that up. Brett, you gonna see that on about two, three different clips. Coming to your feed soon. I know that was no. See, you can't get more real than that. You just can't. You can't get more real than that because he talked about the community and and he's showing you by his actions, right? So he could very well say one thing and then do something else. But he's showing you by his actions that he's a man of his word and he's backing it up because he's representing his community and saying, I don't need to sell it out. We're going to keep it private and we're going to keep to our core values. I love it. I love it. That's it, man. I I learned so much from this conversation, right? Like, so we call it more than a title, man. I yeah. would just say, man, what I've earned, learned from you in this conversation that you're yeah. a hustler, you're a go-getter, man. You're, mm-hmm. you're an innovator. You're a forward thinker. You're a lot of different things, brother. Yeah. And for you to say that you're a fan of us, I just want to let you know we're fans of you, bro. Absolutely. And, and everything that you've been able to accomplish. I'm 35 years old to hear that you're 39 and be where you are right now. That just shows me that this shit is possible, man. Absolutely. And we're going to go there, bro. So anyway, we can support you. I'm happy to, man. I'm glad to call you a friend now, bro. And I'm extend the invite. Send the invite. Extend the invite. Extend the invite. Anytime you're in New York City. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dinner on us. Dinner on us. Dinner on us. I'll go to a fucking rave if you want to. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. I've <laughs> not had to throw that there. You wildin'? See, you're going too far. You're going too far. You're going too far. Look, the reason won't be trouble. <laughs> my ears are still recovering from the last one. You're going too far. But yeah, man, but we, we do yeah. appreciate yeah. you, bro. Yeah. And, and this, especially yeah. for our last, this is our last season of the episode. Yeah. I mean, last episode of the season. The season. Yep. And it's an honor to have you, bro. Shout out to NVE. Shout out to everything yeah. you're doing, man. Let them, let them, let them, let them, let them, let them know where they can find you, Brett. Please. Before we, before you get out of here, let them. I, let them I'm on, know. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm yeah. a prolific, prolific LinkedIner. Uh, feel free to hit me up there. It's, it's how I, I find amazing talent more often than not and experience nv.com if you want to know more about the work that we do that's beautiful it. beautiful that's it man we're gonna, we're gonna uh, we appreciate you it man. thank you guys i really this was really <laughs> meaningful and transformative yeah. in its own ways yeah. to me you know yeah. i i get because i get like, i had to reuse the word but like it, it's it's you know i i i had no idea what what to expect today and you just you, you guys have so much talent it's amazing. expect the unexpected yeah <laughs> we appreciate I, you I, 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 I will be cooking about what, <laughs> what things we could be doing together and yeah. i'm in new york yeah. all the time so you'll hear from me please let me know. Perfect, perfect shout out yeah. to everybody on the check and karina shout out to, to tyrone shout out to everybody and please everybody y'all be texting me while we partying <laughs> <Come on, man. laughs> love y'all <laughs> but, shout, but shout out to everybody, man. This is a wrap to season three, man. We had an amazing season. Amazing. I'm We're going to take amazing. a little break. We're coming yeah. back August 3rd. August 3rd, yeah. we got Joel Lodgy, and we got so many other great guests, man. Yeah. We're going to see y'all. Brett, as much love. And thank you for another season of More Than a Title. Baby, we's out of here. What you know about me? Seeing it all. Heard it all.